When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Eric Bischoff here. And have you heard about Strictly Business? Strictly Business is a brand new weekly series exclusively on adfreeshows.com. Join me and my co-host, John Alba. Every Tuesday as we take a deep dive into the business of the professional wrestling business. And this is some straight-up business talk here. No fanboy nonsense. We discuss television contracts, advertising, licensing, and, of course, the highly debated ratings. So if you want an unfiltered, brutally honest, anti-fanboy understanding of the professional wrestling industry... Well, Strictly Business is the series for you. And hey, if Elon Musk likes my tweets, and he did, you're going to love Strictly Business. Sign up now and listen at adfreeshows.com. Do you love wrestling podcasts but hate all the ads? Well, you can get all the great podcasts early and ad-free at adfreeshows.com. It only starts at nine bucks a month, but you get exclusive series at adfreeshows.com like Title Chase, Eric Fires Back, Conversations with Conrad, and tons more, and a chance to interact with your favorite podcast hosts every month. See for yourself why thousands of other wrestling fans say adfreeshows.com is the best value in wrestling. Adfreeshows.com. If you could change one thing about your home, what would it be? A new kitchen, a new master bath, maybe put in a pool. What if you could do it with no money out of pocket and cheaper monthly payments? Savewithconrad.com can help, and you can even skip your next two house payments. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender, savewithconrad.com. We are broadcasting from the Blue Chew Studios. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code 83 weeks at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. 
Hello and welcome to 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff. This is Paul Bromwell, and I'm joined by the Hall of Famer, the star of the new hit series, Strictly Business, which you can hear every week exclusively on ad-free shows, Mr. Eric Bischoff. Eric, how are you? I'm good, Paula. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well, sir. Looking forward to this, doing this with you again. Yeah, it should be fun. It's you know great subject, too, man. I love I love revisiting Randy Savage and the time that I had to work with him and the experiences that we had and how much, you know, Randy really meant to not only the success of, of Nitro, obviously, and the NWO and all that, but for what he did to the business and for the business uh, towards the end of his career. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, no, we're going to have a lot of fun this week talking about Randy, specifically from 1996 to 1997. From those of you that are saying, my goodness, where's Conrad? This is Paul back-to-back weeks. I just wanted to say real quick, Eric, he is down conducting some business with Mr. Flair that's going to make all of you very happy in due time. So just be patient. But that's what Conrad's doing. He's going to have, he's having a little bit of a good time too, Uh, but he will be back next week. It'll be ask Eric anything, and it's going to be a blast with you guys. Uh, But as you said today, we're going to have a lot of fun talking about Randy Savage and his time 96 to 97. So Eric, with that, you ready to jump into it? Yeah, we got some questions too. We we have fans. uh, We got fan questions. So we're going to get into those as well. So, so let's do it. So uh, Eric, you're one year into having Randy in the company. And is it safe to say you're happy with what Randy and his star power has brought to the company up to this point? No question about it. No question about it. Uh, And again, Randy not only brought a, a tremendous character to the screen, he also really helped us break through the product placement opportunity that existed early uh, in, in Nitro uh, with the Slim Jim sponsorship. And, you know, people that, and this is, you know, strictly business type of conversation, mm-hmm. but to be able to break through, like no advertiser wants to be the first one to try a new platform, right, or a new program, everybody wants to see somebody else do it first and see how it works for them. And how do you know how it works for them? Cause they keep doing it. You know, a lot of people will try an advertisement, you know, campaign or sponsorship and they'll run it for three weeks or a month. See how it does. If it overperforms or outperforms expectations, they do it again. If it meets expectations, maybe, maybe not. And if it disappoints, as a campaign, then guess what? It's, you got a three week, you know, trial and you didn't make it. Well, with Slim Jim, because we're not only an in programming type of, of sponsorship, um, they stuck with us for a long time and that made it so much easier for WCW to go out and talk to the Pennzoils of the world and a lot of other big national advertisers for in-program opportunities, which is a much more profitable opportunity than merely selling 30-second ads. And it was a big, big turning point for the business of the wrestling business for WCW. So you bring this powerful character with all the equity that that character has built up over, you know, by that point, probably two decades or so at a very high level. And with that high-power character comes a major long-term sponsorship 
There's a huge impact on WCW, huge. Some of it people can, you know, see by going back and watching Randy in, in WCW, but on the business to business side, it was right up there with one of the best decisions that we've ever made. Well, not only was that a home run, Eric, but let's talk about the pairing of Miss Elizabeth and Randy Savage. When did you guys start talking about bringing Elizabeth back in? You stated before you were nervous about it. Mm-hmm. Can you share with us why that was and what, how all these conversations started to take place? Um, you know, the conversation started probably about six or eight months after Randy got into WCW. I'm guessing there, you know, I didn't write it down. Um, but it was shortly after Randy had been there for a bit. And I, I remember, you know, once again, getting a phone call, I think Hulk and Randy were together at that point. Uh, because when, when I brought Randy in, it was a result of Hulk tracking me down while I was traveling and me have a conversation with Hulk while I was in the Detroit airport, actually. Uh, and it was a similar situation, although I had both Randy and Hulk on the phone uh, when they reached out to me and, you know, just laid it out there as, hey, if she's available, she's interested, and we think that this could be a good opportunity. <clears throat> then I went on just to talk to to Liz, you know, one-on-one. Hulk and Randy were, weren't part of the negotiation, but that's that's kind of how it started. In terms of was I nervous um, and why? Uh, yeah, I was a little bit. You know, you, you're bringing you're bringing real life drama in this case a divorce uh, into the environment. You know, and sometimes people get divorced and they can you know remain good friends and, and, and in some cases even work together <clears throat> and it, it can go just fine. Occasionally. Okay. Rarely. Okay. Almost never. <laughs> <laughs> and I was nervous because I didn't know this. Right. And while I knew Randy a little bit, I had certainly been made aware of, Randy's tendency to be overprotective of Liz. And I didn't know Randy well enough to know if he'd gotten past all that, you know, which category was Randy going to fall into and Liz, were they going to be that almost never opportunity where two people who were married and got a divorce and it wasn't necessarily pretty. Are they going to be able to come back together and work, you know, a couple of years together or after a couple of years? Maybe, but the odds were slim. And that's what I was nervous about. But it didn't last long. It didn't last long. Yeah. It's pretty obvious to me right after Liz got in that, you know, this, this, in terms of their previous relationship, it wasn't going to be an issue. That wasn't going to be an issue. So are you thinking, great, I'm thinking long-term role for her, or let's just go off the initial reaction and see how this plays out and we'll go from there. I'm more the latter. You know, I never... Uh, rarely entered into a negotiation with someone and said, okay, this, this, this person's going to be here for a while. And I've got some big ideas for this person. I mean, it did happen. Obviously it happened with Scott Hall and it happened with Kevin Nash and, uh, and, and bringing, you know, Lex Luger back and things like that. There was a specific plan in mind before the contracts were even negotiated. Um, but more often than not, that was not the case. It was more, okay, this has all of the potential for being a really great idea. Sure. Um, But let's just wait and see how it plays out. Let's see where the chemistry takes us. A lot of times it's chemistry, man. It's not only the audience's reaction and 
uh, the ability to kind of build someone into a storyline that makes sense. Um, sometimes it's just the chemistry. Well, it certainly has all the feels, man. As a longtime Randy Macho Man Savage and Elizabeth fan, to see her make her way back on the TV again, certainly exciting to see that. And we're going to begin 96. Randy's coming off his first WCW title reign, which he only held for a month, Eric. Is he at the point in his career where he's caught up in the length of his title reigns or being champion? No. Okay. No. No. And that's, I don't even want to call it a misconception. Right, because I didn't work with Randy when Randy was in WWE. <clears throat> I, I I didn't I had no idea or have no idea how Randy felt about titles prior to getting to WCW. My experience with Randy was that Randy was all Randy cared about was the the power of the the story, the angle, if you will. That's what he cared about. If it's a good story. If it could start off hot with a good angle or have a good backstory, something that you can build up over a period of time and, and has the potential of having a great payoff, that's what Randy cared about much more than anything else. And if, and if you know holding a world title was a part of that story, then great. If it wasn't, okay, that's cool too. Yeah. That that's that was Randy's my experience with Randy's perception of, you know importance of a world title for him well back in uh in these days early 96 it's when wwf starts doing their billionaire ted weekly skits featuring savage as the nacho man did he ever come to you regarding this was he upset about it do you remember having any conversations with him about all that no i didn't you know and none of the people involved were upset everybody kind of chuckled not perhaps (laughs) perhaps when Randy was home alone or with his significant other, whatever the case was, but away from the business, away from, you know, the pressure of it or the, or, or just the vibe of it all. You've got to, you know, you're backstage, you're still on. You got to be careful what you sell and what you don't sell. You know what I mean? You're still, you're still on the job. Even you're, even though you're not really in the ring when you're in that backstage environment and that backstage environment can be, a hotel bar, it can be a hotel restaurant, it can, you know, wherever there's a congregation of your peers. Um, and you, in, in those environments, that's where I saw Randy. Mostly I did spend some time. I was just thinking about that this morning before we did the show, I had the opportunity to spend some time one-on-one time with Randy at his home for a day or two. And uh, we'll talk about that, but um, maybe when he was away from the business and away from his peers, when he didn't have to be on and be careful about what he sold. He may have expressed a different feeling about it, but I only know what I saw and what I saw was pretty much a chuckle and it seemed fairly genuine to me. Okay. Well, uh, and a big moment on nitro in early 96 from Caesar's palace in Vegas, Savage would defeat flair to win his second WCW title. And then the next night at the clash, we see not only Liz, but woman comes in and is associated with Randy. That's a fun pairing. Talk about the decision to have those two join together. Woman and Liz. You know, I think that, that uh, Kevin Sullivan could probably speak to that better than I could, because that was more of a, a Kevin Sullivan um, idea. So I, I can't really speak to where Kevin may have seen it going or saw it going. I, I, I liked it because you got two pretty, 
pretty interesting personalities. Liz, the demure, shy, yes, almost introvert, but yet very, very much a sympathetic baby face. I mean, Liz could get more heat or excuse me, more sympathy just with a look and a bat of the eyes and, 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 and revealing a little bit of that shyness in her, she could become more of a sympathetic baby face with a look on her way to the ring than a lot of baby faces could in a 20 minute match. Um, and woman was the exact opposite of that. So when you, you know, when you package polar opposites, I don't know, sparks fly potentially it had a it lot was, of potential. So that's why I felt good about it. Yeah, it was, it was fun. She was that all, Liz was the all American girl. And, uh, to your point, woman, definitely not. She had that little, uh, little evil mistress. Little, yeah. Little. <laughs> well, listen to, listen to you being kind. <laughs> <laughs> listen, uh, we're at super brawl and Savage is going to drop the title back to flair in a cage match after Liv gives flair, uh, her hot Liz gives flair her high heel shoe and gives the nature boy, the title Randy and flair had such great chemistry working together. Eric, my goodness. They did, and there's a perfect example. You got this sympathetic baby. Who better to turn into a heel than a sympathetic baby face that everybody loves? That's, you know, a heel turn is effective when yeah. people are really pissed off at you for doing what you did. And you feel, and they feel like you betrayed them and, and they're, you, you rejected their love for you. Those are all of the psychological elements, or some of them, I should say. That going into that go into making a, a heel turn work, and for all the reasons why I just described, you know, Elizabeth going into this pair up was such an ideal candidate because nobody would have seen that coming. You don't expect that out of Elizabeth. So it was pretty cool. I dug it. Was there any discussion to keep Randy and Liz together longer, or was this always the goal? I don't know that it was a you know the goal going into you know again we we didn't have a strategic plan in place when we brought Liz in. I think this is something that was born out of the story as it was, as, as it was evolving. You know, Liz, had, it worked out. She had established herself in WCW. She established her character in WCW as a sympathetic baby face. And then I think it was more about, okay, we've here's where we are. How do we make it more fun, more interesting? And that's my guess is where the, the idea was born out of more of a, I don't want to say spontaneous, but um, reflective in terms of, you know, where we were at that point in time and what the possibilities were. Eric, speaking of keeping things as long as you can, keeps can help <laughs> you keep that beautiful Eric Bischoff style hair longer than ever. Eric, did you know that including myself, more than 50 million men in the U.S. suffer from male pattern baldness? There are only two FDA-approved medications that can prevent hair loss. Keeps offer both. Look at you. Look at that beautiful hair, Eric. Well, but, but here's the deal. You know, you, you guys, you how many did you say? 50 million people? Yes, men? I'm one of them. Male yeah. pattern baldness. Each one of you owe a debt of gratitude and a significant one at that to Stone Cold Steve Austin and Bill Goldberg, because at least they made that shit look cool again. That's true. <laughs> you got that right. Well, Keep offers a simple, affordable, and stress-free way to keep your hair. How, Paul? 
Well, they have convenient virtual doctor consultations and medications delivered straight to your door every three months. You don't have to leave your home. Plus, they offer 24-7 care and support. Keeps has a network of expert medical advisors, prescribers, and care specialists to support you in making your hair goals a reality. Listen, they got low-cost treatments that start off just $10 a month, and Keeps offers generic versions of the two FDA-approved medications to prevent hair loss. They have affordable treatment plans, typically half the cost of pharmacy prices, and Keeps has everything your hair needs delivered straight to your door with, once again, discreet packaging and proven results. And prevention is the key. Treatments only take four to six months to see results, so act fast. When it comes to your hair, save more, spend less. So don't look like Paul and make sure you look like Eric. Take action now and prevent hair loss. Go to keeps.com slash 83 weeks to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's K-E-E-P-S.com slash 83 weeks to get your first month free. Keeps.com slash 83 weeks. You know what? And, and by the way, all 50 million of you men, who owe a debt of gratitude to Stone Cold Steve Austin and Bill Goldberg, unfortunately don't have everything else that came along with it. So definitely check out Keeps. I'm going to be honest with you here. I'm going to try it out because I'm not getting bald. All right. I still have probably the total number of hair follicles that, that I've always had, maybe, maybe a few less, but for the most part, I still have an absolutely full head of hair and it grows like weeds. Oh. But what I have noticed starting about a year ago is that the texture of my hair has is, is changed dramatically. It's, it's much more fine now. The hair shafts are thinner. Um, it's not the same thickness and, and, and density, I guess, as it once was. So I started noticing that, you know, right now it doesn't bother me. I can, you know, I'm a pretty vain person especially when it comes to my hair and I'm cool with it, but I'm starting to notice that hair turning fine. I'm thinking in another eight years, I'm going to look like Bernie Sanders in a windstorm. That's scary. And I think it's time. So keeps here. I come, I'll report back to you here on 83 weeks in the weeks and months to come. Ah, sounds great. Keeps.com slash 83 weeks. Looking for a great mother's day or father's day gift idea. I was, and I found it at paint your life. With Paint Your Life, you'll get a hand-painted portrait created to fit almost any budget, and it's a great gift idea for your mother, your father, or both. You say Paint Your Life transforms your photos into a one-of-a-kind, beautiful hand-painted portrait created by professional artists. You upload anything you can imagine. You can even combine photos. You'll pick the artist, the medium. You can even customize the frame, and you can receive your painting in as little as two weeks. You can give the most meaningful gift you've ever given at PaintYourLife.com. And there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money's refunded, guaranteed. And right now is a limited time offer. Get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, just text the word WEEKS to 87204. That's WEEKS to 87204. Text WEEKS to 87204. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Message and data rates may apply. See paintyourlife.com slash terms for details. Now, Eric, I know this episode's about Randy, but with Liz coming back, I have to ask, what did you see in her to turn her heel? Was it 
kind of the same thought with you did with Hogan. Let's he's been such a baby face for so long. Let's let's try the heel turn kind of kind of view or or what? You know, again, I, I don't want to be redundant. A lot of it was like, wow, here's where we're at. This is what's going on. This is what the audience is reacting to. Um, it was opportunistic, okay? But, you know, anytime you have an opportunity, and it's a good one, because and, and you think it's a good one because either you've got a heel that you think, for whatever reason, has a proper motivation and believability and impact that if he or she were to turn baby face, it would have a significant impact on story and opportunity. Yeah. Or you go the other way. You've got a you know sympathetic baby face that everybody loves and they have a relationship with and feel connected to, and you turn that person, he or she, heal, that's a good opportunity. Um, and it means so much more than just, having to turn someone heel or baby face because the storyline dictates it. They don't really have a strong enough character to get the kind of reaction you want. They're just playing a different role. That's a lot of the turns that we see now kind of end up being that. Yeah. And it's not because the, the execution of it wasn't any good. It's just that if you don't have that, I'll call it a power base of either heel audience, people that, that just, love you because you're such a great heel. Um, that can be a challenge, but if you don't have a powerful base of audience that feels passionate, passionately about you one way or the other, you're not going to get the level of reaction that you would always hope to get when you change a character like that. Yeah. And then when I say, when I mentioned the Hogan thing, it was because she was so beloved as such a baby face. And I got to imagine it had to take her probably a little while getting comfortable playing a heel role for the first time ever in her career. Uh, you know, so I don't think was, so. I don't no? think so. Huh? No, as you were, as you were saying that I was, I was going back and trying to, as I was trying to anticipate your next question, but I think, and again, brother, this is all, you know, so long after this is good though. I want to hear this. The conversations I had with her suggested to me that she was far more excited about playing heel than she had been about being a baby face. And maybe it's just because, Oh, it's a chance to do something different as a performer. You don't want to go out there and just do the same thing over and over and over again. and be kind of cast into the same, you know, position or role, whatever you want to call it. And just, you know, even if it's working, even if it's working pretty good, if you're a performer and you love to perform, you know, after a while you, you want to do something different. Yeah. can get stale. And Liz never complained about anything, anything ever. But I did notice in the conversations that we had, you know, going into the turn and mostly afterwards, because that's when I would work with Liz a little bit more on her promos and interviews once she turned heel she was having fun with it. Are you, are we there? Okay. I thought you froze. No. Okay. All right. I just stopped talking. All right. You're just not used to me stopping talking. (laughs) I'm not used to I ramble on and on and on and on. I thought your internet froze. On and on and on. And Paulie tells tells his friends, hey, guess what? I get to do a two-hour podcast with Eric Bischoff. I love doing that podcast because I don't have to say much. I I, I ask him a question. He takes off. I can go make a sandwich, heat up some soup. 
and catch a little bit of sports. I, I like go through the notes and I'm like, well, I can weed this out. I can weed this out. This is an Eric show, Derek. What are we doing here? <laughs> you give me three good questions and we're done. <laughs> and we're done. I literally thought your internet froze, but you were just staring at me. That's his well, and I'm, I'm looking at you and I'm thinking, he's Why froze. Is he yeah. No. Oh, that's good. I was going to cut that out. We're keeping that all in. That's great. From the observer, let's get into a little bit of business though. From the observer in February, it's a, they said, it looks like WCW is going back into the house show business after doing $216,000 on three weekend dates, all headlined by Flair defending against Randy Savage. The February 17th show at the Baltimore Arena drew 11,000 fans, 8,000 paid with a $102,000 gate. It was the first legit $100,000 gate for a non-pay-per-view show in the history of the company. And Jim Crockett probably hadn't done one going back uh, to 1988. The February 18th show in Norfolk, Virginia, drew 9,500 fans, 6,487 paid with a $72,133 house. So, man, Randy versus Flair's getting the house show business going back again. Did you feel like that was it? Or what? Because the the house show business is back and it's moving. Who started to push uh, push this and increase the house show business again? What what year is this? Are we still ninety six? This is ninety six. Yeah, February ninety six. Yeah. Well, the house show business had been increasing um, already, but we wanted to take that slow. You know, I've I've told the story often about how the strategy for live events was basically, I know we're losing money every time we go out the door. So let's just go out the door more often. It's literally the strategy. Um, hard to believe, but true. I went the other way and shut down house shows until they started to become profitable or at least a strong indication that they could be profitable. Now we're in 1996. We had been slowly increasing house show business, but by this point it was starting to get obvious. Um, that the house show business was a more viable option for us because up till that point, really, even into 95, you know, doing house shows was a losing proposition. Well, you and uh, Conrad have discussed uncensored 96, the infamous doomsday cage match in length. It's in the archive. So be sure to find it on YouTube. But when something like this is put together, does Randy put his hand up and say, that doesn't work for me, brother. Or do you ever remember Randy ever saying anything like that? Oh gosh, too many times to recount, <laughs> but, it, but it wasn't in the spirit of, well, that doesn't work for me. So you better come up with a better idea. That wasn't it. It was brother. It doesn't quite work for me because it didn't make sense here. You know, he would, he would contribute. <laughs> He'd collaborate with you. He wouldn't say, he wouldn't just say, I don't want to do that. Or that doesn't work. Or my character would never do that. That's the one that always used to piss me off. When somebody would come to me and say, my character would never do that. It's like, dude, if you actually thought along those terms in a real way, in a constructive way, I could, I could have that conversation. But typically in the locker room, that was just, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't want to do the job. My, my character would never do that. But no, Rand, Randy would throw flags all the time. And then he'd dig in with you and and a lot of times he was right. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. I love that. As long as the goal is to come up with a better idea. And that was always Randy's approach to anything. It was never, no, I'm not going to do that. It was, this doesn't work because of this. And then you'd work on this. 
and you were probably going to end up with an outcome that was three times better than it would have been if he would have just said, okay, yeah, you're paying me a lot of money and I'm happy here. And, you know, I like this guy and I'll go do whatever you want to do. I would rather have somebody throw a flag and challenge the idea to make it better than somebody just go along with it. Well, it goes back to what you always say. Give me some context. Why does that work? Yeah. Because if you can get, look, if you can, if you can convince, this has been my experience. If I were, if I was able to convince a character to do something that they really weren't comfortable doing at the outset, but you convince them on the merits of the idea to the point where they could see it and then get excited about it. First of all, you know, your idea is really going to be good. That's a pretty good indication. Then you can convince somebody that doesn't want to do something that they now want to do it because they see it's a good idea, even though they didn't think it was. You just, that's at least a triple, maybe a home run. That's not a bunt to get to first base. That's a, that's a good one. Um, but yeah, Randy, Randy never refused to do anything. He just challenged everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he challenged everything. Uh, well, the first Savage versus Hogan match in WCW is finally agreed upon. It's in April. And according to the observer for it to take place at Halloween havoc. And as part of the deal to get Halloween havoc into Caesar's palace in Vegas on October 27th and get the $300,000 sponsorship deal on the show for slim Jim's WCW had to promise both the site and slim Jim, the first Hogan versus savage match. Is that how you remember it? Uh, Eric, this is all coming from the observer. Absolutely. Not true. Oh, okay. Run it by me again. Maybe I'm missing something. Sure. I'll read it word for word. As part of the deal to get Halloween Havoc into Caesar's Palace in Vegas on October 27th and get the $300,000 sponsorship deal on the show from Slim Jim, WCW had to promise both the site and Slim Jim the first Hogan versus Savage match. No, that's absolutely not true. That's absolutely not true. <laughs> now could and that would have been you know zane Bresloff would have been zane Bresloff would have had nothing to do with slim jim number one he would have had everything to do with negotiating the deal with caesar's palace could zane have used that hogan um savage match as a opening statement <laughs> in his pitch absolutely was it a part of a negotiation and a guarantee? No, I absolutely am certain that wasn't the case with Slim Jim because that was my deal. I, I was the one because I was the one that negotiated with Randy and ultimately I was the one that negotiated with Slim Jim as a result. So the details of their sponsorship of WCW was one of my main priorities at that time. Because I knew as great of an opportunity as it was, if I didn't manage that opportunity to make sure that I exceeded the client's expectations, not just met them, that they would go away. And I didn't want them going away. So I I didn't even relegate that one. I, I micromanaged that relationship. So if anybody were to suggest otherwise, they're either misinformed or they're Dave Meltzer. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. 83 weeks right here. Eric Bischoff cleaning it up again. The dirt sheets clarifying what we should have known. And that was, this is not the truth. So here we go.
Well, let's get into some more stuff that actually happened. And that's Savage and Flair continue their dance in the spring. It's really the focus of WCW. Hogan is gone, and we still have yet to introduce Scott Hall or Kevin Nash. Do you remember having any conversations, Eric, with Randy about bringing in uh, Hall or Nash? Or did the two of you not really have that type of relationship? No, we had that. Time. Randy and I got pretty close pretty quick. It didn't take long for us to to click. Uh, and, and again, hang out together. You know, not, I don't want to make it sound like it was something it wasn't, but there was a level of great level of communication. Like Randy could find me twenty four seven. I could find him twenty four seven. If I put a call into Randy Savage and he didn't answer the phone, I'd get a call back twenty minutes later. So the 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 quality and level of the of communication was excellent, and there was a fair amount of trust that had been established early on. Part of it was a situation. You know, Randy was kind of angry about being relegated to being a commentator in WWE. His, his pride was hurt. Sure. You know, he had something to prove and I gave him an opportunity to prove it. Now that opportunity for him to prove himself benefited me probably more than it did him, but our benefit of WCW. Um, but I think as a result of the circumstances and then the fact that I've always been transparent with people, you know, that I negotiate with, I don't play games. I, I, I just have never done that. Would never do that. Um, and because I was just pretty transparent about everything with Randy, the level of trust was pretty solid shortly after we started working together. So as far as your recall, you don't remember anything with the whole Hall Nash. I'm going to bring him in. No, I, I, I did, but but I'm sorry, I, I took my got lost in the weeds. Um, fucking weeds. <laughs> um, I didn't tell Randy. I didn't tell Hulk. I didn't tell a lot of people. In fact, I didn't hardly tell anybody. Um, the only ones that, I mean, I don't think anybody outside of myself really knew until a week or two before Scott Hall showed up. And then even fewer knew that, well, what the, well not fewer, I would say, more people knew, but it was a very tight circle that I, people that I could trust that, you know, had any idea what Hogan was going to do in July. But I, I didn't tell Randy, just like I didn't tell Hulk, and tell any. I told hardly anybody, because it wasn't necessary, and I wanted it to be a surprise, and I wasn't concerned. You know, it's not like, like I knew Scott and Kevin had a rep, but so did everybody else that came in. So did Randy at one point. That's so right. did Hulk. So did everybody. So I, I was never overly concerned with someone's reputation, um, in terms of politics and chemistry. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd acknowledge it, but I often didn't factor into my decision. So I didn't feel the need to, to tell Randy. Since we're here, they come in. Any comments or discussion after they've arrived about Randy? Is he excited? Is he anything? I, From what I remember, because we never had any, you know, specific conversations about it. Okay. His reaction was positive. Cause it worked right off the, right out of the bat. It wasn't like they came, Scott and Kevin kind of came in and it took six months or a year to kind of work them into a program and let it settle in and see where they, I mean, they came in out of a, 
you know, getting dropped off by an Elon Musk rocket ship, you know, and, and, and you love that. He loved your tweet. You can't keep oh. his name out of your mouth since he did. <laughs> well, I, I mean, you know, I didn't really pay too close. I mean, I knew obviously like all of us, I knew who Elon Musk was and, and some of the things he was doing. And I found him, you know, fascinating, but I didn't really think about it much, but the more interviews that I listened to, you know, of Elon Musk, uh, and the more I read about him, the more excited I'm getting. I mean, this guy's, he's really, really smart. And I just love listening to how really smart people think and communicate those really smart thoughts. He's, he's a fascinating dude. Really, really smart for him has translated to really, really rich. And now he's the king of Twitter. So there you go. Well, maybe, maybe not. We don't yeah. really, it's another one of those deals, brother. It's not over till it's over. That's true. That's true. Well, we're, let's talk about Randy here. Cause we're building to bash at the beach hall Nash. Was it always going to be Randy Lex and sting in your mind that, uh, those three guys as we're headed to bash at the beach. And could you have pictured, let's ask this question, Randy being the third man with Hall and Nash? I mean, he would have been a better option than Mabel, obviously, but could you have a picture? I know you've talked about Sting, but what about Savage? No. No? It didn't work. And again, you know, Conrad and I have fun with this, yelling at each other about it. But the idea was not primarily the WWF invading. No, that's what everybody wants to believe. Just like, <laughs> careful what I say here. Just like so many of the, the, the messages I get, you know, Twitter, you stole the NWO idea from New Japan. There's so much <laughs> bullshit. There's, I don't think there's ever been a storyline in any company that was a reflection of the NW. Was there invasion storylines? Sure. I guess. I don't know. Wasn't aware of them. But the NWO had was a different kind of a story. And there wasn't anything like it there. But I'm sorry, what was the question? You were saying about <laughs> how it wasn't about WWF guys. Being, no, it wasn't. I asked about it, no, because you asked, is it going to be Randy? Yeah. No, it, 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 no, it was never going to be Randy. Yeah. You know, um, even though you know Hulk was, I guess you could say he was a former WWF guy, but Hall and Nash were former WCW guys. I, 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 that was not the impetus of the story. Let's just put it that way. All right. Well. Where people had previously worked wasn't really the, the impetus of the story, except for Scott and Kevin had a backstory. We were here. You treated us like shit. We went on to become big stars. Now we're coming back to make you pay. That's called a premise, folks. If you could basically explain storyline, especially one that lasted a couple of years in a two-story elevator, then you got a premise. And that was the premise. And people can argue about it and debate it all they want to. I didn't really give a shit. It's what was going on in my head, not theirs. Yeah. But, I think that's the point. That was the storyline you mapped out, but it was how some folks just chose to view it in their own minds. Yep. That's, that's what this argument always comes down to. Well, by the way, Savage, speaking of this mash batch of the beach, he's tremendously unselfish. He's the guy in the ring for Hogan's leg drops. He's the guy who gets pinned by Hogan. It's counted by Hall. I mean, it just, again, to your point, speaks to 
if he believed in the story, he was willing to do whatever. Uh, he knew that was money. Yeah. He knew it was so much money. Who would not want to be the baby face that takes the brunt of that abuse? It's going back to what we talked about with Liz. Why, why was Liz such a great baby face? Because she had that s- sympathetic character thing going on, baby face thing going on. Now look at Randy. He's fighting for he's fighting for WCW. These guys have come out and criticized WCW and buried it. And he came, all of a sudden, Randy Savage, he's a company man for WCW. And he gets trashed by Hulk Hogan, nonetheless. Come on. That is, you could smell that money from two continents away. And that's why he was he was all in because he knew it. Now. I, I use that reference. Oh, he knew it was money, but guess what? He wasn't making any more money. Randy Savage didn't make an extra dime because that idea was a great idea or wouldn't have made a dime less if it wasn't. He just loved the idea. There was nothing selfish about it. There was nothing in it for him. He just knew it would be a great, great story and something that he would really want to be involved with. Well, Eric, uh, around this time, speaking of making money, there's going to be some conversations going on. You have Savage and Hogan are building their match at Halloween Havoc after the turn. But along the way, Savage doesn't appear on Hog Wild. He loses to the Giant Fall Brawl, and he gets beat up a lot by the NWO. You've talked about it in the past, about how you and Randy were having issues coming together on a deal. Mm-hmm. Was this you treading water until getting to Havoc and the guaranteed match with Hogan that you promised Slim Jim? Again, this is supposedly, you've already discounted that rumor. How difficult were the ne- negotiations with Savage, and was he using an agent at this point? The negotiations with Savage were not, they were not that challenging. I knew I had to be a little careful because Randy was paranoid. And, you know, a little while ago, I talked about the fact that, you know, we had built up quite a bit of trust and our ways of communicating allowed us to be just brutally honest with with each other without anybody getting upset about it. Uh, And that worked both ways, by the way. Um, But when it came to his contract, Randy did get a little paranoid. Even though we had a good relationship, and I think he trusted me. He trusted me to a degree. <laughs> he probably trusted me as much as he could trust anybody in the position that I was in, meaning the decision makers to whether or not, right. you know, he's going to make, you know, a couple million bucks or not. Um, so I was careful. And again, nothing to do with promising anybody anything that that pressure was not there. Uh, there was no drama about that, but there, it, it was t- touchy with Randy. And I was trying to remember when you asked me that question, I think Henry Holmes represented Randy in that deal. Now Henry Holmes was Hulk's attorney. Eventually went on to become Bill Goldberg's attorney. Um, used to be the attorney for George Foreman and a whole bunch of other people. So um, Henry was tough. But the negotiation itself wasn't that difficult. Randy wasn't asking. Randy didn't. Randy didn't try to hold me up. He didn't come in asking for an astronomical amount of money. In fact, I think the amount of money we settled on was, I think it was like about one point five, perhaps, would have been his new deal at that point. And half of that was paid for by Slim Jim. 
So it was not a hard deal from my perspective. And he wasn't, Randy didn't come into my office and say, well, you know, Hulk Hogan's making a minimum of $4 million a year. I want a minimum of three. He didn't do that. He came in and he asked for a reasonable amount of money. More than fair, actually. If I were Randy, I would have asked for more. And if he would have, I would have paid him more. When you've got a sponsor paying half your your annual you know, fee as a talent, that's pretty freaking good for the producer. So, no, it, I had to be careful, but it wasn't that challenging. Folks, speaking of things that don't need to be difficult, sleep doesn't have to be difficult for you any longer with Chili Sleep. Chili Sleep makes customizable, climate-controlled sleep solutions that help you improve your entire well-being. Chili Sleep makes the Uller and Cube sleep systems hydropower, temperature-controlled mattress toppers that fit over your existing mattress to provide your ideal sleep temperature. These luxury mattress pads keep your bed at the perfect temperature for deep sleep, whether you sleep hot or cold. These sleep systems are designed to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and give you the confidence and energy to power through your day. Imagine waking up and not feeling tired. Chili Sleep can make that happen. For an extra layer of comfort, they also make the Chili Blanket, the only weighted blanket that can also be paired with a control unit for the ultimate sweat-free sleep. Eric, I've said it before, I was a hot sleeper, and what I mean by that is you can keep the blankets. My wife knows I'm hot. But it's all but confirmed when she tries to snuggle up to me at night, but not anymore. No, sir. Not with chili. Once my body hits the bed, it's like taking the elbow from the macho man. Ooh, yeah. I'm down for the count, brother. I, I mean, I can't overstate how important a deep, restful night's sleep is. I know this sounds like such a commercial, but it's so true. And you're talking to a guy who... How old am I now? I'll be 67 this month. So 25 years, I probably went sleeping four hours a night, maybe total half hour here, 45 minutes there, 20 minutes here. Maybe I'd get five hours out of it. And I, you know, what did I do? I get a power through the day, drinking coffee and energy drinks or whatever else. And it wasn't until recently Using chili sleep, um, changing up my diet a little bit. I mean, I'm good for eight to nine hours of deep sleep. And a lot of that has to do with chili sleep. My wife, Lori, she swears by it. Mm. She swears by it. And, and she's real sad. I'm a little, you know, once I do fall asleep, you know, you could, I could probably, I could probably do sleep out of my deck and get rained on. Once I fall asleep, I tend to stay asleep for, you know, however long. <laughs> but my wife is very sensitive. If the temperature isn't just right, she's tossing a turner. She's up and down. She's just uncomfortable. She loves chilly sleep. So I, for really different reasons, we both love it, but I can't recommend it enough. Sleep like Eric and sleep like Lori. Head over to chillysleep.com forward slash 83 weeks to learn more and save 30% off the purchase of any new cube or Euler sleepless system. This offer is available exclusively for 83 weeks listeners <coughs> and only for a limited time. That's chili, C H I L I sleep.com slash 83 weeks, all one word, to take advantage of our exclusive discount. And wake up refreshed like the Bischoffs every day. 
What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Eric, at this point in time, if Savage walks, I know you said it was a fairly easy negotiation, but if he does, are you pissed, upset, okay with it? I mean, you have Hall and Nash out now in the fold. Well, oh, if he would have walked, how would yeah. I have felt? Yeah. You know, given where we were and what the build was and what I was able to help Randy do for Randy, um, sure, I would have been upset. Absolutely, I would have been. And I, and I do believe, and again, I'm going to have to go back. I, I, I always hesitate when I'm about to say certain things because I, I don't want to say something that's factually inaccurate. And we're talking about something that happened 20 years ago and some specific timing with, with regard to Randy's contract. But I don't think Randy's contract wasn't up for a period of months past Halloween Havoc, right? So had Randy decided to walk and not perform at Halloween Havoc, that would have been really ugly because he wouldn't have had the grounds to not do what he was asked to do. That would have been a breach of contract. Yeah. And then it would have been, then, you know, the, and once you pull that trigger, you, you can't put the bullet back in the gun, you know? Um, so I, I would have been very upset because it would have been unnecessary. I knew going in, I was going to sign Randy. There was no question in my mind, especially when I found out how much he was asking for. And I was more than willing to do it early, which was the case here. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Had it not gone that way, I, I'd, have been, I'd have been pretty upset. And I think it's safe to say, just listening to you talk about it here, there was really no concern. Randy had a number and you were fine signing off on that number. So at the time, it, there was none of that. No, you know what the biggest issue for me was? The biggest issue for me is going back to Turner legal and explaining why, even though the contract wasn't up for a period of months past Halloween havoc, why I was accelerating it by six months. Cause this conversation started well before Halloween havoc. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, you know, we, we started having this conversation probably in July or August. So, and then it started ramping up as we went and the closer we got to Halloween Havoc, the more important it was to Randy. And that became more of a, uh, an important issue for me in terms of getting it done. So we could just get it past us. It's like, my, my take was like, look, I'm going to do the deal. We are going Turner. We are going to do this deal. What difference does it make if we renegotiate um, four to six months early? Early. Yeah. What, where's the harm? A couple bucks here or there. Hey, by the way, Turner, he's bringing almost a million dollars worth a year worth of sponsorship to your network that your internal ad sales couldn't sell. So shut up. Approve this contract. And let me go about my business. Should be a slam dunk when you think about it that way. <laughs> so you guys come, you finally come to terms and the, but, and the relationship's fine. It didn't change the relationship. No, it didn't change the relationship all, all good. at all. No, and, and, and it's funny. Now, you've heard me tell this story at the live shows, and I'm not going to tell it here. Um, Come to the live shows, everybody. <laughs> yeah, but the, the, 
it was actually, I think it was the Saturday morning before the pay-per-view, or it might have been, no, it was Sunday morning before the pay-per-view is when we finally closed that deal. And it, <laughs> it to this day is one of the funniest, it's probably the only funny story I really have. It was just amusing as hell to be in that moment. But again, I wasn't stressed out about it because I knew we were going to do the deal. Well, it is Halloween Havoc time, and it's Hogan versus Savage. And you and Conrad have discussed this in the past. Hogan gets the win with Giants help. The WWF called it Age in the Cage. Piper debuts right after to set up Hulk, Hulk's next program. Was it said at this point that he would be joining the NWO, or was it let's get a deal done and see what type of creative we can come up with? Yeah, no, we weren't we weren't thinking beyond too much beyond. Okay. There were probably different ideas floating around what we may do, what we may not do. But th there was no definitive plans for him in NWO at that point. Well, Randy returns, and as you and Conrad have been covering in your 25-year look back at the 97 Nitros, it's Randy and Sting together being their own entity, really. Not with WCW, not with the NWO. Is that something really, Randy, that uh, really enjoyed here? I think so, because he had a lot to do with that. You know, the idea, um, it, 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 something he, he wanted to do. So, yeah, of course, when you want to do a storyline, and it, I don't want to say it was Randy's idea, but it may have been. Um, but whether it was his idea or somebody else's idea, Randy was all in, and he he, he had a lot of respect for Sting, a lot of respect. So, yeah, he was very positive about it. Let's start talking about one of the most enjoyable rivalries that I can remember as a kid watching, uh, with which is Randy and DDP. When did the idea come together to start pairing them together uh, and putting them together as a potential, well, as a feud? Oh, God, if my memory serves me correctly, might have been 60 days before we actually launched it. It was a period of a month or two where it went from, hey, what about this? And again, that was another one. Randy was really invested in that one. Now, I'm, I, I'd have to talk to Paige about this. I don't remember the – and I wasn't part of their conversation. Sure. So I can't remember something I wasn't a part of. But what I remember in terms of, you know, Paige telling me about what, what he was doing, there was a lot of conversations between him and Randy before, you know, it was actually put on the table as a possibility. And Randy was really excited about working with Paige. And I think it was because Randy respected people who worked like we're hundred percent committed to whether it's their character, their work in the ring, you know, whatever he, he gravitated towards people who were as intense about their work and who is as, who were as committed to their work as he was. And there weren't a lot of people quite as intense as Randy. But Paige was, in his own way, just as intense. And when those two started collaborating, Whew. holy smokes! Magic. I mean, I'd see him. I'd see him in the in in at TV, you know, in the building. And Paige comes in. And he's got a stack of notes this high, and he and Randy are going through. I mean, they they put a lot of work into that, creative work, to make it the best it could be, and. Randy was so excited about that program with Paige because of Paige's commitment. Yeah. Sharing the same intensity and passion. Two guys. It sounds exactly almost 
completely the same as far as putting matches together yep. chemistry yeah everything savage does turn on sting he joins the nwo when he helps hogan defeat piper at super brawl but here's savage he's a different type of character compared to the rest of the nwo he's almost like this cage pit bull that once he's let out you can't put back in and i i gotta think this is something that the nwo needed at this point kind of that different character this cage pit bull type character that savage was yeah because scott and kevin had that they were just, they were cool hand. Cool. Look. Yeah. You know, I mean, you knew they were going to do some dastardly shit and leave some people laying, but they didn't telegraph it. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. They didn't come out there and tell everybody what they were going to do each and every week. It was, they were too cool for that. And I'm using cool in a, not a derisive way. Um, here's my only, what if, you know, when I think about Randy and the NWO, because Randy still was, you know, he still had the fringe on his black shirt. I just, I would have, because Randy had such a good, I mean, if you saw Randy out on the street, you know, when he wasn't dressing for his character, yeah, you throw him in a t-shirt and a G-jacket, his headband, I mean, he's a cool-looking son of a bitch and a believable guy. I would have, if I had to do it over again, I would have loved to play Randy down just a little bit in terms of the presentation. You know, I would have got rid of the throwback to the fringe, fringe you know? making more bad. Yeah, the minutes, you know, the minute a guy wears fringe, it kind of, yeah, huh? you know, what wow, really fringe, <laughs> dick dancer, come on. <laughs> uh, well, the idea of you and Savage not really getting along in early '97 was that to play off the real life turmoil, or did you think Randy would be the perfect guy? It doesn't sound like you two had any real life turmoil. It's oh, not like for God's everything sake, was no. fine. Yeah, no, the no, we had no, there was no real life turmoil. Let, let, let's talk about this DDP Savage rivalry because it's eventually voted feud of the year. Uh, but Dallas has talked in the past how Randy had some type of creative control and how big of an honor it was for Savage to call that uh, you know that he was going to be losing to the Diamond Cutter. Is that just Dallas thinking Savage had that power, or was it a veteran type thing? Randy didn't have a, Randy did not have creative control in his contract. Um, but Randy, Randy was Randy Savage. He didn't need it in his contract. He was Randy. You were going to end up dealing with his ideas, whether it was in his contract or not, or his reaction to your ideas, whether it was in his contract or not. Um, so it wasn't that. I, I think that Rand, that Paige just had so much respect for Randy, and Randy was at a much higher level in the company than Paige was. And for Randy to lean into that storyline as heavy and hard as he did and contribute to it and that probably meant a lot to Paige, and it's probably one of the reasons why he's referred to the creative control thing as being one of the reasons why. He didn't really have it in his contract, but he had it for all intents and purposes. Eric, we mentioned that it was the feud of the year. You mentioned you saw him putting notes together, piles of notes, working on creative and everything. But at the time when you were first starting to kind of put this together, you and I'm sure some of the other folks that are help booking it, did you expect that you would get so much out of these two, this rivalry? No, I didn't. I mean, I wasn't surprised, but I didn't have an expectation either, other than I knew if it didn't work, it wasn't going to be because of not not enough thought went into it. I knew it would be laid out well. I knew it would be a good match, but I didn't 
expect it to be as good as it was, in all honesty. What I was excited about is, even though I didn't expect it to be as great of a moment as it was, um, and a great storyline as it was, I was really happy for Paige because I knew it was going to put him on the map. Not as I didn't know it was going to put him on his map on the map as much as it did, but I knew he was going to go from being, yeah, he's kind of a mid card guy. He's moving his way up a little bit, but he's Bischoff's friend. He's never really going to get you know, much beyond where he's at, even though he's Bischoff's friend. And then on his own with no help from me. In fact, I probably held him back more than I helped him uh, in all honesty. Um, Paige took that ball and just ran it down everybody's throat. Well, Savage and DDP main event at Spring Stampede in a no DQ match, and DDP would pick up the victory. But a central part of that storyline involved the women. Kimberly with DDP. Liz is now back with Savage. So I'm sure she was, I guess they were both good with, hey, let's work together again. Let's have Liz and, and Randy back together again. Was that the case? I don't remember, you know, how the, how the, the yeah. process of how it came together. Uh, again, usually if the, if it makes sense on paper, meaning if the story is decent, then I'd go with it. You know, I wasn't, again, I wasn't worried about their backstage drama. If that was the question. Well, DDP gets the win over Savage. And as you said, this is really the moment that DDP is finally elevated. And when people look back at WCW at this time, there isn't a lot of the big star veterans putting over guys like hard worker ddp is one of them but this just worked man it, it was great and it worked for ddp and it really did put him on the map to your point earlier yeah i mean look uh, truth is page was so intense and he you know he had to he, he wrote down everything everything was you know notes and think through a match and i mean he got real granular and so did randy but not a lot of the older school, more established talent who came up with the business calling it in the ring and who believe strongly that that still mattered a lot. That ability to connect directly with the audience based on their mood, how to get them to do what they're not necessarily wanting to do or not doing as much as you want them to do. You know, dig in with your character and dig in in the match to finally get the, the audience to the point you need or want them to be. Um, a lot of the guys with more experience, like Randy and, and his peers, could not have sat down with a guy like Paige and gone through the process that Paige needed to go through. Paige needed to go through that process that way. And I can't think of anybody other than Randy that would have been willing to participate in that because it was antithetical. That's a new word for a lot of people that are listening to this podcast. You don't hear antithetical on a wrestling related podcast anywhere, but here on 83 weeks where our listeners are the most enlightened listeners when it comes to the business of the wrestling business. Thanks to strictly business, baby. God almighty. Don't ever do that again, Eric. Don't <laughs> oh, ever no. do that again. What is he doing? And you won't have to hear that on Strictly Business, but you will hear the business. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I think <laughs> Paige's approach was the direct opposite for those of you that are avid wrestling observer readers and just tuning into the show for the first time. Um, Paige's approach was the exact opposite of what most people at Randy's level and above and his much experience would have allowed themselves to participate in. 
Well, Eric, uh, Savage, he's going to be cycled in and out of TV with DDP after the match. And you and Conrad just covered Nitro where you and Randy got into it. Was Randy's body starting to catch up, do you think, with his age? And was he needing a break here and there? Was that with the case with him starting to miss some time here and there with TV? With TV? No, it, it wasn't that at all. Um, sorry, I'm going to turn my phone off. I don't know if you heard that or not. Um, I mean, Randy had issues. So did everybody else. <laughs> he wasn't unusual. He wasn't having an unusual amount of injuries. Um, so, no, it wasn't that his body was breaking down. It, it's, it was more of a desire to protect the character. And Randy was at the, not, he was at that Hulk Hogan level. Less in, is more. in terms of keep him, keep him special. Yeah. Don't have him out there every single week involved in every single storyline. Don't do that because even a guy like Randy or even younger talent that aren't as, as established as Randy was at that time, you can overexpose. There's two ways to kill talent. One is to underexpose them and don't give them any opportunities. And the other one is to overexpose them and kill them. Make the audience not care anymore because they're not special anymore. Have them wrestle 20 minute matches every week, you know, see how long you're able to hold the audience's interest in that character. It, it becomes harder and harder and harder. Whereas if you got a guy like Randy that, you know, is going to bring the audience with him as long as you protect him and don't allow him to overexpose himself, because that's, a, that's the other thing about a guy like Randy. Not everybody's this way. You know, there would have been certain people, I'm not going to name them here, but if I would have said, look, I'm only going to use you five or six times a year because I think, you know, that's how we can keep you special. They're going to be thinking, oh, great. I don't have to go anywhere. I'm getting paid to stay home. That was a lot of guys would think that way. That would not be how Randy would take it. Randy would go the opposite way. Drive him crazy. Start getting paranoid. Trying to get rid of me. Phase me out. Huh? But sometimes you'd have to. <laughs> You'd have to, you'd have to manage the talent in that respect. And Randy was again not quite a "we're only going to use you five times a year" guy, but he was not a guy that I I wanted to see on TV every week because I was afraid it would diminish the value. Man, we're getting dusty this week. We're getting Randy this week. You're, you're breaking out all the impersonations. I'm loving it, Eric. Live, everybody. Who's going to be next? Well, all the caffeine. It is. It's all the caffeine and the Sadly, chili sleep. I had a good night's sleep last night. So my brain's functioning on all cylinders. That's right. For those that are on ad free, uh, they're missing out on some of these fun ads, but can you believe I said missing out? But yeah, that's where the chili sleep preference comes from. Savage, he gets his win back over DDP at Slambury in a falls count anywhere match. And in the run up, Eric, uh, Savage and DDP are using words like ass. Uh, which is hysterical to talk about now. They're saying shit and everything else in the ring. But this back then was frowned upon at this time. Did you ever get any heat about this? No, not no. at that time. Okay. This is before Terry Tingle showed up in my <laughs> office to tell me what I could do and couldn't do. You just did the Black Scorpion voice now. There's the yeah, character. Really. <laughs> T- Terry Tingle was actually the Black Scorpion in disguise. <laughs> 
Well, this leads to a nitro. So swearing and saying ass at this point wasn't too bad. This will lead to a nitro in early June where Savage ends up knocking J.J. Dillon on his ass, speaking asses, and you come out to attempt to calm him down. But then we're over at a house show in Buffalo, Buffalo, New York, and Jim Kelly, that's right, the former Bills quarterback, helped DDP get the win, and then he started to drop elbows on Savage. And then we here we are. We're in the build, the bash at the beach. There's a match between LaParka and Randy Savage. Parka ends up hitting Savage with the diamond cutter and gets the win. And it's revealed that it's DDP under the hood. This is really some good shit, Eric. I think we all remember that. The unveiling of LaParka and it's DDP. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go back and look at that. I should have I should have done so into anticipating this question, but I didn't. Um I'll have to go back and look at that because I was that's some pretty creative oh, yeah. shit there. It's some good shit, man. That's good shit. See, here he goes. I love it. Savage teams up with Scott Hall to take on DDP and a mystery partner at Bash at the Beach, which ends up being the former Mr. Perfect himself, Kurt Henning. The two NWO team gets the victory after Henning turns on DDP. Savage and Hall as a regular tag team. That could have been fun, Eric. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. That would have had a lot of potential, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think so. Well, Savage is also at ringside for that night's main event between Hollywood Hogan and Dennis Rodman against the Giant and Lex Luger. Here we go. Was there a reason to have Savage at ringside at this match? Because Meltzer speculated he was there in case the match fell apart. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he was a potential threat. That's all. And by the way, that might not have been a bad idea when you've got a celebrity in there, but to suggest that we had to have a backup plan because we didn't have any faith in the match was bullshit. As an eight listener of 83 weeks, you can make sure your life's planning doesn't fall apart with Goliath life. It's time to tell you about something I'm super passionate about, and that's protecting your family. Yes, this is a life insurance ad for GoliathLife.com, but to me, this is really about peace of mind. Think about insurance for a second. We all get medical and auto insurance, yet we never even know if we're going to have need for it. Let me let you in on a little secret. You need life insurance. We're all going to die. Now, as you let that reality sink in, think about what would happen if your family stopped having your income tomorrow. If you don't have a plan for that, you need to visit GoliathLife.com, and I mean right now. Listen, I've lost two friends in their 40s in the last year and a half, and I don't even want to think about what their families would be going through had they not had life insurance. If you don't have it, get it. Protect your family. And I suggest you go to GoliathLife.com because they've made the process of getting affordable life insurance super easy. GoliathLife.com streamlines the life insurance process by allowing you to get quotes for more than 20 carriers within minutes. And you'll pick your terms and payments to fit your budget. You pick your price, you start the online application immediately, and even schedule the medical exam to come to you. I've done it. They sent someone to my office. I skipped the phone calls, the paperwork, and the crazy invasive conversations. GoliathLife.com makes buying life insurance simple. There's no hidden fees, no upsells, no hassle, hell, not even a phone call. GoliathLife.com is life insurance in your hands on your time. 
Get multiple quick quotes right now from the comfort of your own home and begin your application in a few easy clicks right now at goliathlife.com. Are you feeling stuck making minimum payments on your credit card debt? Savewithconrad.com can help, and you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Get rid of your credit card debt and lower your monthly payments right now at savewithconrad.com. Eric at Road Wild Savage loses to the Giant in just under seven minutes. It's odd as both are pushed as big stars, but here's Savage just taking the loss kind of quickly. Is this him here again, just helping, you know, get the Giant over and, and putting him over in this in this case? Yes, and it was definitely yes, but it was also the only logic. You, you're, you're getting a guy over as a Giant. What is he going to do? Go out and have a forty-five-minute match with him? I mean, that's touche. That's it's a, just an example of yeah. of you know. And I want to go back to the the comment about having Randy out at ringside in case, in case the match went bad. You can always have an injury in the course of a match, and the guys in the ring will figure out a way to work around it. They're going to call it in the ring, especially when you got a guy like Hulk Hogan in there who's capable of kind of putting things together on the fly in the ring. He became Hulk Hogan because of his ability to control the crowd and what went on inside of the ring. So the only reason that I would have elected to have Randy visible was to pose some kind of a theory or some kind of a threat, or at least pose a question in the audience's mind is why is Randy sitting there? Otherwise, if I just needed him as a backup plan, he got to run down the ramp and save the match. There you go. So it's just the obvious things when people hear and read about these things. And sometimes, you know, what appears to be my overreaction to them is because some of these things that have been said are just so stupid. You know, the only reason Randy was out there is because Eric was afraid the match was going to fall apart. No, he would have come down the ramp just like everybody else has in the last 30 years in case something happened in the ring that needed to happen in the ring. Anyway, move on. I'm sorry. I digress. No, no, it's all good because some people read that as gospel, as written truth and gospel versus this is just some guy's opinion. And he's just, and and, and I'm just pointing out when you read or hear these things, not just from this douche tube, but anybody else, (laughs) think think about the logic of it. Does this really make any sense or not? And, and, And chances are, if it doesn't make any sense, it's probably not true. I haven't heard douche tube in a while. That's back. Well, you mean, listen, you mean somebody else has used that already? No, you you used it before when I was with you. The douche okay. tube was born. So the Savage DDP feud continues at the final clash of the champions when Savage teams with Scott Hall once again, who are determined to be the tag team champions because Kevin Nash wasn't at the show and uh, they're taking on DDP and Luger for the tag titles. They retain the titles when a blinded DDP accidentally hits a diamond cutter on Luger. Man, could you have seen Savage and Luger being a main event program at some point, Eric? Possibly, yeah. Yeah. Why not? Well, Savage and DDP are on the road when they were put into death matches in preparation for the upcoming match at Halloween Havoc. Was it a coincidence that Savage was always put into these high profile matches at Havoc? Feels like for the last couple of Havocs, he's he's kind of the main one of the main attractions there. 
Well, again, my apologies to our loyal and avid listeners here on 83 Weeks for not having a very specific answer to that question. But I'm going to take a, just a wild-ass guess that perhaps Slim Jim was the sponsor again at Halloween Havoc because, well, they like that pay-per-view. So there you go. And there you go. That, that would, would make, make complete perfect sense. sense, right? Thank you, Cal. Yes, sir. Just logical. <laughs> At War Games, a rematch takes place again between Luger and DDP against Savage and Hall. And the finish involves the living legend, Larry Zabisco, coming out. And he counts the pin after pushing Hall down and Luger gets the victory. What could have been if Larry and Savage had had a match? Right, Eric? Nah, <laughs> not feeling it at all, huh? Although, you know, you don't you can't sell Larry Zabisco short. Larry Larry never, you know, got to that upper tier, you know, anywhere uh, other than AWA. But Larry was really good. Larry was really good. He had great psychology. His promos were outstanding. You know, we, we listen, you know, we talk a lot about Arn because he's part of the, the team here at, at AdFree. And, be, and, and because Arn, there's very few people on the microphone that were better than Arn Anderson in his day. You know, Rick was, to a degree, I would say, um, and there were a few others. But Arn Anderson was in very rarefied air when it came to the level of his promos, Larry Zabisco is not far behind, just never got quite the opportunity at the same level, but Larry was great on the mic and he had great psychology in the ring. It, you know, Larry was past his prime at that point. He had been out of the business long enough where to try to have a match with Randy would have been a bit of a challenge because it would have taken Larry just a long time to get to the level physically of being able to have the kind of match that Randy Savage is going to want to have. So it was never really on the table as a result, but had timing been a little bit different, a match between Larry and Randy would have been very fun for someone like me to watch because Larry brought that Bruno San Martino, Vern Gagne kind of old school wrestling that I personally, you know, when it comes to my, subjective opinion that's the kind of match i like to see but it was the timing just wasn't right for me he was such a heat magnet i remember as a kid watching him in the awa and it was just he always wanted to roll out of the ring and yell at the crowd before starting the match it was like will you get in the ring and wrestle but that's what he was supposed to do he was yes. supposed to make us hate that exactly and I, oh and i get it now but as a kid i'm like get in the ring and start the match uh zabisco but yeah he was uh, such a, a heat magnet for sure back in his day well we uh have savage here he gets a diamond cutter on the floor from ddp which puts him on a stretcher he's carried out eric and this is big time heat angle here and uh i mean here's the thing uh, you feel like after this angle, these two, I guess, are going to get a little bit of a break here. They've had a strong six-month feud at this point. Savage also had this busted ankle at the time. Uh, so is this just kind of, hey, let's give them a, a little bit of a break here. They've been on a six-month kind of, you know, 
hot feud and it's time to give him a little bit of a break again with savage's injury yeah i mean you can't keep the focus on you know two guys for that long at that high level without it needing a break yeah you know i've said it a lot man guys get hurt there's other issues in their lives where they're off tv for a little while there's two ways to look at it you know one is oh my god you know the audience is going to forget about me i'm losing my spot you know Somebody else is going to take my position. Or if you're confident in yourself, that time off leads to absence makes the heart grow fonder. And I, whenever someone would get injured or for whatever reason, it was just time to de-emphasize them. I like them to go away for a while and not come back so that we could take advantage of the absence makes the heart grow fonder factor. And in some cases you could bring people back hotter than they were when they left by just taking advantage of that. So it was a combination of, okay, it's time. We've been focusing on this now for six months. It has played itself out. We cannot revisit the story anymore. And I think giving Randy a little time away, kept his equity up. Eric, here we are. This is something that I've been looking forward to talking with you. It's the infamous meeting before the October 13th Nitro, where you mentioned that Hogan, Piper, and Savage were the only three wrestlers who ever drew anything. What were you trying to drive home that night with the talent? Oh, sense of reality. You know, and by the way, that was a shitty thing to say. It was not only shitty because it was an insult to certain people, not to everyone, because some of them deserved it, but a lot of them didn't. Um, I was really speaking to a small core of the locker room who had no appreciation for how WCW got to the position that we were in by 97. All they were concerned about is getting more, not contributing more, just wanting more. And again, I want to be really careful here. Some of the people that expressed a desire to have more and to be paid more were willing to come to the table and contribute more. A lot of them just wanted more, some of them, some of them just wanted more because there was more to be had and they felt like they deserved it. They were entitled to it because they were there They didn't contribute to it. They weren't, you, you couldn't point to them in the locker room and say, well, if it wasn't for this insert wrestler's name here, who is kind of a mid card upper mid card guy, Nitro wouldn't be what Nitro is right now. There's only a small handful of people that fit into that category as, it, as uh, in the context of why, why is Nitro beating WWE every week in 1997? Why is that? It's because of a couple people. That's what I was trying to point out. But the way I went about it was really shitty. I get it. I own that one. So hindsight being 2020, if you could go back and hypothetically do that, you would just say it's because of a couple people of where we are now versus calling out. I don't know. I would have even said a couple. I would have said there's there's a reason why we're here and we're in this position right now where we actually have more to talk about. 
And not everybody in this room was a part of that process. Doesn't mean you won't be in the future. But when everybody was walking around, not when everybody, when certain people would walk around and convince themselves that they were the reason that WCW was finally making money and a lot of it, when they really had nothing to contribute to it, um, that's what I had issue with. But I, you know, there, there would have probably be a million ways to say it yeah. that would have come off a lot better. If I'm ever in that position again, which I know I never will be, but if I were to ever be in that position again, I would spend a lot of time thinking about that before I said anything. Yeah. Yeah. Hindsight's always 2020. And, uh, yeah, there you go. Well, at Halloween Havoc, Savage and DDP, Eric, they have yet another classic match. It's a Las Vegas death match. You got to think at this point, these guys are incapable of having a bad match. Am I right? Probably because they're incapable of not putting in the work and the that's effort right. and the time it takes to have a great match. That that's that's it right there. That that in a nutshell describes Randy Savage and Diamond Dallas Page at this point. Yep. Savage gets the win after Hogan dressed as Sting comes out to help and keep Page down for the 10 count. Later that night, Savage does one of the craziest dives off one of the craziest cages when Hogan and Piper wrestle. But the biggest part of that match people still talk about, Eric, was the fan who ran in and attempted to get in the cage and Savage fought him off. Man, what goes on when something like this happens backstage? Everybody gets angry and jealous and wishes they were the person that could have gotten a hold of that fan. That's right. It, it's like, it's like having a backyard full of about eight or 10 pit bulls. And then you got, you know, let's say there's eight pit bulls in your backyard and seven of them are over in the corner, sniffing another dog's butt on the other side of the fence except for the one pit bull that stuck around and hung out by the deck. And then the owner throws a chicken out there, not a live one, a cooked one, throws a cooked chicken out in the backyard. And that pit bull just dives on that chicken. Well, while the other seven are over there sniffing another dog's butt through a picket fence, that pit bull got the chicken. And every one of those other seven know it and they're pissed that's what that was like and those are the analogies you're only going to hear on 83 weeks no other podcast fortunately fortunately <laughs> savage had an injured ankle like we discussed but him jumping off the top of the cage is literally insane he's just that kind of crazy isn't he right he doesn't well, care. he knew he wasn't going to land on his ankle so he wasn't worried about <laughs> he it. didn't give a shit he uh, also would interfere in hang Flair match later that ne the next night on Nitro and drops some more elbows on Flair. Were there any thoughts about maybe potentially putting these two back into another program together? Oh, always, you know that always, that's yeah. that's that's a that's a card that you can put in your back pocket. You can walk around with it for as long as you need to, and know that in a moment's notice, if you have to pull that card out, you know, in case of emergency, break glass or just reach into your back pocket and pull out a Flair Savage card and play that. Well, Eric, I got to ask you about this. Randy's family, we know he's, they've been in the wrestling business forever, considered outlaws for some time, but when the Montreal screw job goes down in the WWF, did you ever know what Randy thought about this whole thing? He re referenced it publicly once that Vince was really on a roll of making bad decisions. Uh, did you ever hear about any of the heat between Vince and Randy? I did. I did early on, you know, when I first 
started talking to Randy about coming into WCW the very first time. We talked about that. Not a lot. You know, he didn't dwell on it. He made it, you know, Randy made his point that, you know, he wasn't happy with the way Vince perceived him as a performer and that he had something to prove. But it wasn't like, you know, F Vince McMahon. It was, you know, it wasn't that childish kind of immature, um, hateful reaction, resentful. It was more, I think, as he respected Vince, but wanted to prove Vince wrong. So the Montreal screw, that was the only time that I remember talking to Randy about Vince. Screw job, you know, everybody had an opinion about it. I don't, I don't remember Randy, you know, I'm sure we talked about it, but only Up in a general, out. only in a general yeah. passing. Well, there's talk in the observer that the plan for January with thunder launching was that there would be a split of the NWO with Hogan and Savage being on one side and the wolf pack on another. Was that ever considered to you? Oh, it probably was. Okay. There's probably a discussion at some point in time. I, w- I would be surprised if it wasn't. There's also a nitro in December in Buffalo. And again, Jim Kelly, his program with Savage from the observer at the show in Buffalo. When the lights went out during the Savage versus Hugh Morris match, the reason they were out for so long is because Bruce Smith and Jim Kelly hopped the rail and attacked Savage and WCW security had to grab them and get them out of there before the lights went back on. I've heard this was an angle set up by Savage Smith and Kelly as a rib on security Although others say that Smith and Kelly were just totally out of control by by that point during the show. Do you remember anything about this at all, Eric? You know, I was there. It happened. But I, I just don't remember the details of it. You know, I, I would, yeah. I'd have to take a pass on that one. I, I don't want to say something that wasn't right. Um, I do want to say one thing about Buffalo, though. Okay. I, there's a lot of cities in the country that I love to visit primarily because of the food. And one wouldn't necessarily think of Buffalo as an Epicurean destination. I can assure you that if you underestimate Buffalo, New York in that regard, you're missing out on a great opportunity to have some of the best Italian food you're going to have anywhere at DePaulo's restaurant in Buffalo. Dennis DiPaolo is a wonderful guy. His father was involved in a wrestling business way back. And you go into DiPaolo's restaurant, and it is a classy, classy restaurant where you see pictures of vintage professional wrestling pictures all over the restaurant. Nice. Awesome. Check it out. DiPaolo's in Buffalo. I'm Googling now as we talk and uh, as we speak in here. And I got to ask, do you have a go-to dish when you go there? No, I love it all. Okay. I love it all. I'm, I'm, I'm partial. To, I know it doesn't sound very, look, a good lasagna is the equivalent of a great, a great lasagna to me is as, as appealing as a Ruth Chris ribeye would be to a steak lover. It's a good steak is a good steak. A good lasagna is hard to find. It's a great lasagna. But my go-to is linguine's and linguine and clam sauce. Ooh, that I just love linguine. I love that. I love it. Oh. Or anything with pesto. Great homemade pesto. 
a gift. You're killing me. I'm a so gift from right God. Now. It truly is. <laughs> uh, there it is. There's the recommendation of the week here on 83 weeks. Go to Buffalo. Check out that Italian restaurant. It sounds fantastic. Well, listen, as we move on, Savage really isn't involved in the Starcade build. I think it was because they gave some guy, Eric Bischoff and Larry Zabisco, like 15 minutes of time. So there was no room for Randy, apparently, on the card. <laughs> but, uh, well, that's what happens. We had, uh, until life happened, then we had Starcade. Conan has a family emergency, is unable to make the show. And, and here we go. Here's the story out of The Observer. This left a hole in a six-man tag match. The company wanted Randy Savage to fill the spot, and in negotiations to get him to fill the spot, literally a few hours before the show was going on the air, had to agree to change the originally planned finish of the Steiners and Ray trailer going over. To get Savage to agree, the finish was changed to where Savage got to score the pin using the elbow off the top on the Scott Steiner. This left Scott Steiner visibly livid, to the point he had major words with Booker Terry Taylor, and they tried to alleviate him by letting him do so many big moves at the end for saves before doing the job, although he wasn't happy at all. Eric, do you recall any of this going down? No, but I'm not going to say it didn't because I don't have any firsthand knowledge of it. I wasn't involved in that. Okay. Laying out finishes, as I've said many times, yep. I stayed away from things that I knew I had little ways of contributing to. So I wouldn't have been involved until it got to a breaking point, but this clearly didn't. Match went on, finish happened. So there was no breaking point. Um, and that would have been between Terry and the talent, Terry Taylor and the talent. I wasn't involved in it, but it could have been true. You know, you look at the personalities involved. Scott Steiner could, he had the potential of being volatile. Yeah, and by the way, a little bit. Yeah. He, he, he didn't hold back. Yeah. Needed it Randy. So yeah, guess what? Two high power, very intense personalities. One's winning and one's losing. You think there might've been some hassle there? <laughs> you think there might've been a little bit of discussion going on? Of course there was. And it sounded like they gave a little bit to Steiner, allowing him to do all the maneuvers and all the moves that he wanted to do. So, Or Dave could have just been making it up. Ah, well, there you go. You know, we'll never know. We'll have to get Terry Taylor on the show and ask him about it. Savage uh, would also get involved later on in the Buff Bagwell match versus Luger and uh, Lex racks Savage, but ends up losing to Buff. And that's where we're going to wrap this whole two-year look back on Randy Savage of Eric. This two-year period of Savage really showed that when the WWF gave up on him, man, they were way too early because he was just so talented and brought so much back. I want to ask you here, before we jump into the fan questions, you said at one point as we were going through this you got to spend what a day, day and a half with him, and maybe had some things that you wanted to share. I wanted to come back to that. Yeah, no, no, I was just I, I, the point I wanted to make, and I, I think I was down for a couple of days. I may have spent the night, and it was I saw a, a part of Randy's personality that I had never seen before, and and Randy was so relaxed; he was the opposite of everything I had experienced with Randy. And I always had good experiences with Randy. I want to make that clear. I never really, I never, not even never really, I never had an experience with Randy that wasn't positive. It was a question of how positive was it on a scale of one to 10 was it a five 
because uh, we had lunch together and laughed a couple, th- laughed at a couple things, or was it a ten? You know, um, but seeing Randy in his own home, away from other wrestlers, away from the business, just being Randy, I got to see a side of Randy that I was really grateful that I got to experience because he was such a, he was chill. He was just, it's the only way I can describe the word or describe him as using that word. He was just relaxed. Again, complete opposite of the Randy Savage that everybody else saw on TV or worked with backstage. It was so easy. And we had a great weekend. We did nothing. Talked. Riff. That's all. Showed me around. I think he was in Indian Rocks Beach at the time, Florida. Showed me around, hung out, had a couple beers. Might have smoked a joint. I don't know. Can't remember. Probably. Um, it, it was just fun. I guess it was just, you never know. You know, you see people on television, you read about them, social media, you get an impression of who somebody is. And I do. I do the same thing. I'm guilty of this. But when you see them away from the chaos, you get a real glimpse into what they're really like. And Randy was a cool dude. You always think intense when you think of Randy. So it's really cool to hear that you were able to see him completely opposite of that. Completely relaxed. Yeah. I mean, he still had that Randy voice, but it, it just wasn't, there was no edge to it. It was just, I don't know. don't know a better way to describe it. It's just Randy being Randy, and he was a really cool dude. Do you remember where you were the day that you heard about his passing, Eric? Yeah, I do, as a matter of fact, because it was Hulk that called me, and I had just, uh, Hulk and I had just met the previous week. I think I was down there for, for like four or five days in Tampa with Hulk. I don't remember what we were doing, but I was down there for an extended period of time. It was finally time to go home. I hadn't been home in a while, and I was on my way to the airport. I remember exactly where I was. Uh, I had taken the exit to the airport in Tampa. It was kind of probably a mile away from the airport or less. And Hulk called me and told me. Mm. Well, thank you so much for, for going through this with us this week. Let's, like I said, let's get into some of the fan questions and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, let's start with Gavin. He's a, my push member at freeshows.com. And he says, knowing that part of the imp- impetus for Randy's move to WCW was Vince wanting to move him to the commentary table permanently was having macho at the desk, even as a one-off or sold out or something similar ever discussed. Great question. Thank you very much for uh, contributing it. I know it really wasn't, you know, and, and, and not because, you know, Randy wouldn't have wanted to do it or anything like that. It just never occurred to me. I mean, after watching Randy in the ring, why would you put him at the desk? Unless it was to advance a story. If there's a reason for it, we would have done it, but there just never was. Great question for sure. Uh, next up, adfreeshows.com slap nut Ben Ledbetter says, Eric, in your opinion, does Randy receive enough credit for DDP becoming one of the biggest stars in WCW? I think he does because, you know, if you talk to DDP or you listen to him, you know, in his interviews, he is never remiss to acknowledge it himself. And most people who think about Randy or talk about Randy or read about Randy, you know, it's, it's pretty hard to avoid that acknowledgement uh, in any of the narrative when it, with regard to, to Paige and um, 
Randy. So no, I, I think he's, I think he gets a credit he deserves, which is all of it. And Paige, I mean, Paige was, you know, Paige was a big, I mean, Paige was a driver. Paige was the catalyst. Paige's energy and, and commitment and passion was the catalyst. It was the only reason why that conversation would have happened anyway. So no, I think Randy gets plenty of credit. Next up, uh, adfreeshows.com top guy, Patrick Ruth asks at great American bash 97. When Savage goes after Kimberly, how much of a concern was crowd control? <laughs> Not really, you know, w- with the exception of a small handful of incidents, very small. We just weren't worried about it. All right. Probably today would be different, you know, because yeah. our culture is different today. But maybe not either. You know, I mean, how many thousands of matches do we see happen on television without seeing some ass jump up out of his shirt, volunteer to get his ass kicked or arrested? It happens. Happened to Bret Hart at WWE Hall of Fame ceremony. Who would have expected that? My goodness. But they're so rare that. No, there wasn't any. Okay. Adfreeshows.com slap nut Eric Bowman asks, I was wondering if Eric thinks it was a mistake to turn Savage and have him join NWO. I always felt he should have stayed with Sting. Eric, that's a fair it's a fair observation. And did I regret it? I never regretted it, but do I acknowledge that it might have been better had Randy stayed on that and, and, and carried that WCW banner? I, I think I would, I would agree with that. Hindsight's great, but looking at it from that perspective, I think it's, it would have been a good decision. All right. Adfreeshows.com slap nut Tony flowers, our buddy. He asks so much is made of Hogan's turn in 1996 and rightfully so, but I rarely hear Savage's NWO character mentioned as important to the faction slash angle. For me, Savage was instrumental in giving that group a big and legitimate feel. His intensity was second to none. Did you feel at the time that Randy was important to the NWO success or was he just another piece of the puzzle? Um, in between, the NWO was well on its way by the time Randy joined. Um, so it's hard to say that he contributed as much because he wasn't there. I mean, he was there at the beginning, obviously, on the receiving end of the Hulk Hogan leg drop. But in terms of it, him meaning his contribution to the NWO would be hard to put him in the same category as Scott Hall, Kevin Nash. Hulk Hogan because they, they got to the moon first. They planted the flag. Um, But Randy did bring a lot in terms of what you could do in the ring. Randy could carry a workload that Hulk couldn't physically. Arguably Randy was able to pick up a little slack with Kevin Nash because of Kevin Nash's character, not that Kevin Nash didn't have the talent. Kevin Nash was kind of like Paul white in the sense, what's he going to do? Is he going to do backflips off the top rope to provide that physical dynamic perspective that you want to see in a match? No, but Randy could fly around Randy could come off the top rope, jump eight feet in the air off the top rope. And then, I mean, Randy could do things 
that some of the guys in NWO couldn't. So he was very important in that regard. And he had so much character equity. It was Randy freaking Savage. Yes, that's right. Everybody on the planet that's a wrestling fan has done a Randy Savage impersonation. Right? Yeah, brother. So of course he meant a lot, but it's hard to draw analogies to other people because the timing affects so many things. Everybody tries to do a Randy Savage impersonation. Adam Leeson is up next, and he is the piggyback question. Perfect follow-up. Does Eric believe Randy could have had the same impact Hogan had if he'd come in first? No. Nope. Nope. There was nobody that could have had the impact that Hulk Hogan had. It's just, it is what it is. Francis Reyes says, do you think he was happy with his run in WCW at the end of 1997? Yes, I do. All right. Dylan Strybig says, did Randy and Liz have as much fun as they seem to in the NWO together? I've always been intrigued by the relationship around this time. And the fact that so little is known in general about Liz as a person, any insight would be awesome. You know, going back to one of the questions early on uh, about bringing Randy or bringing Liz in <clears throat> and me being a little bit worried about yes. you know, the backstage, you know, the drama that, that came, you know, along with the baggage. Uh, once that became obvious that it wasn't going to be an issue, the thing that I remember was Randy still loved Liz, in my opinion, but not romantically he genuinely cared for Liz as a human being and as a friend. And that was just obvious in the way they interacted when the cameras weren't around. And it, it was kind of a cool thing to see, you know? Um, But Randy was, he was still protective of her, but it would be like, you'd be, you'd be protecting, you know, your little sister or your cousin, you know, or neighbor friend. You know, it's it different. It wasn't a jealousy territorial thing. It was a caring thing. And uh, that's that's what I remember. Councilman Tony Heal asks, Eric has talked many times about how they hired people that Hogan liked working with when he started, which is fine. Were there any people that Randy wanted to bring into WCW to work with during that time? Not, not, not that he petitioned for. Um, I don't know. No. There was nobody Randy was, you know, hoping to get a chance to work with. Uh, no, I don't know a better way to answer that. All right. Two final questions, Eric. Rich says, what, where was the storyline with him and Sting hanging out together headed? Do you remember that at all? I don't. Honestly, I wish I did, but I don't. All right. Jackie Harder, final question this week. What is your favorite memory of Macho Man and Elizabeth? Oh, I don't know. You know, Elizabeth was a pretty good friend of my wife's. Elizabeth come out and visited us here in Wyoming, stayed at the house. She was out here for a girl's weekend. I wasn't here that weekend. It was a girl's weekend, but it was... Elizabeth and Janie, my right-hand person. A <laughs> um, couple other girls from the office. 
and then my wife's sister, and they all came out here, and they had a great time for a few days. Went trout fishing, became the talk of the town. You know, a bunch of hot women out That's awesome. fishing for trout on the North Fork of the Shoshone River. Yeah, they were the talk of the town. But you know, I don't have I don't have a specific memory. I have memories that are all favorable of them together. Some of the reasons why we just are some of the reasons that we just talked about in terms of seeing two people that, you know, at one point had so much drama in their lives now actually come together after the fact and really, really have a, a loving yet unromantic relationship. I thought was pretty cool, but I don't have any specific memories. No. Okay. Well, as we said at the top of the show next week, Eric Conrad's back and you're going to be answering the fans questions. So make sure you get all those questions in. ask Eric anything. That's right. Anything. It's back wrestling related business related. It can be about whatever his personal life's going on. Just ask him, ask these questions. It's your opportunity. And uh, Eric, you ready to be back on the hot seat, my friend? Oh, I love the hot seat. I live for heat. Heat is life. Heat, (laughs) Heat is life. So bring it, just bring it. Before we get out of here, Friday, May 20th, it's 83 weeks live in Oshkosh. It's Conrad and Eric Bischoff at the Time Community Theater for an exclusive live 83-week show. That's right. That's where he's going to tell that story that he can't tell here, talked about today. Tickets are $30 and are on sale right now at acwwisconsin.com. Eric, I know you're fired up about going live once again with Conrad. I, lo- I am. I-, I love working with Conrad. We have a blast when we do our shows live, but I love Wisconsin, especially in the springtime, man. It's been cold and winter and snow, and now opening of fishing season is right around the corner, and it's going to be fun. And plus, I mean, the- between the beer and the cheese, who could not? And the sausage, great sausage. Oh. Big shout-out to my buddy Bob Niedercorn and his beautiful wife, Tammy, Heritage Meats in La Crosse, Wisconsin. If you want really good, old style, handmade, and butchered products, go check out Heritage Meats. Some of the best sausage you're going to find anywhere. Eric, what what are you making today at the house? What do you got? Last week it was venison, some kind of venison stew. What what is it today? We're, we don't know special? what we're going to do. We're going to see a movie at four fifteen, and the, oh. the discussion this morning over coffee was do we prep something prepare something before we go to the movie so that we can finish it up when we get home or do we just go out to eat tonight i'm leaning towards going out to eat that's nice it's very rare yeah very rare because honestly mrs b and i are such good cooks that we can cook our own food at home that is so much better than anything we can go out and get but i'm feeling a little lazy so we may just we may just eat out tonight Dinner and a movie. Sounds like the perfect night. Well, listen, let's not forget about the next night, May 21st, at the ACW Water City Wrestling Con, featuring Mr. Bischoff, Malachi Black, Dan Housen, The Godfather, and many more. Get your tickets to that event as well at acwwisconsin.com. It's going to be a great weekend, it sounds like, for you, Eric, there in Wisconsin. And uh, also, don't forget about adfreeshows.com. I know we started the show talking about Strictly Business with Eric Bischoff, but you get to watch all these shows as well, 
early ad-free and on video. You get to see his dog sometimes walking in behind him, which is always a cool treat. <laughs> I mean, this is just a lot of fun. The, the facial reactions, us staring at each other, thinking that our internets are bad when they're not. You know, <laughs> All that fun stuff you can watch on ad-free shows, plus a ton of bonus content. Eric, it's the place to be, to be, and we're doing Top Guy Weekend here in September. I can't wait, man. All right. It's going to be fun. Thank you, Paul. It's been a great show. I appreciate you stepping in again. On behalf of Eric Bischoff, this is Paul Bromwell. We'll see you right back here again next week on 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.